Greetings, everyone, and welcome to our 217faith.church service, the church that fits your schedule. In today's message, we would like to speak about the promises of God. You see, these days we're all looking for something to believe in, something that is true and real, something genuine and selfless, something to motivate us to keep going and doing the right thing. The promises of God are the only truth that can bring us such hope, joy, and purpose. Please remain with us to learn more. We are so glad to have you with us at 217faith.church. We believe in preaching a godly biblical perspective, putting others first, and living out a Christ-like faith in action. We humbly greet you in the name of the Lord, and we hope that you will hear God's word today and be moved to put your Christian faith to work. We'd like to direct you to our ministry website, 217faith.church, where you may find previous services and other teachings to aid you in your own Christian walk. Also there, opportunities to put your faith into action. This month, we are partnering with War Vision and their small loans program for business women in third world countries. Please visit our website and get involved in making a real difference in the lives of others around the world. Join us today. Give directly on their websites and help make a difference in the lives of Christians around the world. Also, while there on our site, don't forget our resources for helping you through your own Christian experience. Available there on our website, you can purchase them there directly or wherever books are sold. We, are, in fact, pray that God will bless you and your life through the experience of these books, all for his honor and glory. Amen. Our scripture for today comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. A wonderful promise to get us started on today. And the word of God says, don't you know, haven't you heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't grow tired or weary. His understanding is beyond human reach, giving power to the tired and reviving the exhausted. Youth will become tired and weary. Young men will certainly stumble, but those who hope on the Lord will renew their strength. They will fly up on wings like eagles. They will run and not be tired. They will walk and not be weary. May God bless us as we study his word together today. What a truly foundational promise for us to get started today on who God is and why it is that we can indeed trust 
his word, how indeed it is that we can trust him because he is the only God and Lord. I believe that if you want to have all your prayers answered in the affirmative, all you have to do is pray according to the promises of God. And he will answer those. He has to. After all, it is what he has promised to do. If you have a need, then pray and ask God and he will supply your need. If you want to know how to live right, then pray according to the promises of God and God will make that answer clear. Lastly, if you feel alone, seek God in prayer and in his word and he promises to be with us. The Word of God is full of promises. Uh, we could do a year-long sermon series on them and still have plenty to keep going. A promise, you see, is a declaration of an assurance that one will do a particular thing. We have no need to ever mistrust our Maker, and yet He makes promise after promises that we cannot ignore. Now, governments and politicians, they make us promises, but they break them as soon as it serves their selfish ambitions. Friends, even spouses, they make us promises, but when they tire of us, they easily walk away from them. We even make promises to ourselves to be better than we used to eat, to be, to eat healthier, to be more compassionate. And yet when we don't see the immediate results that we had dreamed of, we abandon even our own assurances. It is truly a sad state of humanity where we live in mistrust of one another, seeking to meet our own need and disregard our fellow brothers and sisters. No wonder we're in the state that we're in. And yet God is faithful. The scripture tells us that he will do what he said he would do, that he would complete what he called us to do in 1 Thessalonians 5. Now, the first promise that we really want to dig in together today, we want to focus on, is found in the book of Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Perhaps this is something that is wrapping around in your head. The prophet in this particular passage, he is speaking to the people of Israel who had walked so far away from God by this time that they had been taken into captivity. A mere remnant is what's left out of millions of people. Yet God reminds them of his promise of what they must do in order to once again enjoy his goodness. He tells them to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before God. So let's break that down together. To act justly. What does this mean? To go back. Actually, this goes back all the way to God's requirements when he establishes people that they would become the nation of Israel. Yes, our faith must be one of action, but God does not want mere deeds and sacrifices. He wants us to live our lives representing his own righteousness. In other words, the ability to be morally right. We are developing this message even further on our online ministry here with 217faith.church, where we will speak about the many ways that we have lost our innocence and how that has led us to have grievances against God. And more on this, I promise you, in the next couple of weeks. So follow us uh, to stay on top of that. As we lean a little bit more on this word morality that we mentioned, simply put, Morality is how we tell right from wrong, not based on government laws or the opinions or so-called influencers, but based on the truth of God that we read already in Isaiah chapter 40. When God was leading his people out of Egypt, he told them exactly how to act justly and how that would look like. Have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? A simple yet equally complex set of requirements to ensure that his people were differentiated from the depravity of others around them. Love God, honor him, honor your parents and don't take from others. Don't cover the things that others have, just to mention a few. These Ten Commandments set the foundation for living according to God's purpose, right? 
The first four is how we relate to God. The last six is how we relate towards each other. Those here, of course, is how we act justly. Now, additionally there in Micah 6, we also read besides acting justly that we should love mercy. Think about it. If acting justly is how we relate to God, walking mercifully is how we relate to one another. Mercy is all about forgiveness. Forgiveness without punishment. God showed us great mercy when he sent his son to die for our sins. By the way, that's another one of God's promises. God's forgiveness is greater than anything we can ever experience. While hanging on the cross, Jesus himself even prayed for God to forgive those that had nailed him there. And no, I'm not just talking about the Romans or the Jewish people of that day. I'm talking about you and me. After all, he died for our sins. If we were the last person in the world, Christ would have still given his life for you. Now tell me, who else can make us such a promise? But how do we enjoy this particular promise? How do we live in obedience to God and in community with our fellow man? Well, only one way. And the Lord says it is by walking humbly. Humility is not a weakness, but it is the ability to put others first. In fact, the Bible calls us to think of others better than ourselves. This is not easy for most people because many of us are worried about what our next fix is going to be and what next scheme will bring us to the best result. Yet when we humble ourselves before God, perhaps in a similar way that Jesus humbled himself unto death on the cross, God will honor us. He will keep his promises. Jesus put others first and was honor above all. And I believe that God's promises applies to us as well. Now, there is another promise that God gives to the people of Israel and more specifically to Joshua as he prepared to lead them into the promised land. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, we read, Have I not commanded you, says the Lord? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. My friends, if we cannot understand what this simple promise means, then I truly think we might be lost in a little bit of trouble. This simple promise reminds me of a dad helping his child to learn to ride a bike. I am here, says the dad, as the child says, dad, don't let go. And the dad promises, I won't let go. This promise reminds me of the brotherhood forged between men and women who work together as firemen, policemen, and especially in the military. Their promise to each other is to stand by them and never leave them. Their security is in each other's hands. My friends, our eternal security lies safely in the hands of God. You see, the man Job, who certainly experienced loss and griefs in ways that I can only imagine, is reminded by one of his so-called friends about a true promise. And that is that we will be secure because we have hope in the one that made us. That is God. And he will grant us safety. Now, surely this doesn't always mean that we will have zero trouble as Job can testify, but God will be with us regardless of what we may be going through. You see, Joshua had a difficult campaign ahead of him. There would be many battles to come, yet he did not fear. In fact, he took God's promises and made it his own. And then he eventually proclaimed to the people, he says, as for me and my house, we will serve God. We are reminded elsewhere in scripture that we cannot serve two masters whether that is money or our own abilities or ideologies or other gods, we will either love the one and hate the other. 
God promises to be with us and to remain faithful as we remain faithful to him. In fact, just one verse before in Joshua 1a, God reminds Joshua how he can remain faithful to him. He says, let not the book of the law, that is the God's word, depart from your lips. Live in it day and night and you will be prosperous and successful. Now, God is not talking about some misguided prosperity gospel. That is not what is meant here when he mentions prosperity. No, not at all. What he means is that we will be living right in the middle of his will for us. And the, the things that we will seek to accomplish, then they will come to fruition because they will be the plan of God for us. He will make us prosper according to his will for our lives. Which leads us to this next promise we want to talk about today. And that is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Philippi. He reminds the believers there that because of their faithfulness, we could say because they had been acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly, that God would indeed meet their need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. What such riches are these? Are we talking about money or possession? The scriptures do tell us that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, which, of course, reminds me of driving through central California. For those of you that have been there, where you pass through few, a, a few large cattle ranches and cattle as far as the eye can see, right? Also, as far as the smell can, can smell, if you've ever been there. Yet God's riches are greater than that. I think about the beautiful mansions that we find in South Florida, the comfort and luxury that those folks live in. Yet God is richer than all of them combined. When we live out God's promises, God keeps his word. He supplies us for our need. And there is a story in scripture about three young men who dared to believe in God's promises. And God certainly provided for their need. During the captivity of the Israelites, there were these three young men that were taken to serve in the king's palace. They were called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Maybe you remember or heard the names. The Lord was with them and they found success. They prosper, you could say. But as is always the case, there were those that were jealous of their success. And so they conspired against them, getting the king to declare himself a god, little g, and build a statue that all must worship. Upon their refusal, their punishment was to be thrown into an oven that was so hot that it would burn up the soldiers that were tossing the accused in. When their turn came up and the king demanded their worship, their, respond, their response was one that was righteous. They said, our God can save us even from this. But even if he doesn't, we will not worship you. This statement of faith and obedience did not keep them away from the wrath of the king, but it certainly found them secure in the grace of God. And so as they were actually cast into the fire, their clothes did not burn. They suffered no injury. And before long, the king witnessed an additional individual in the oven with them. So he see God had sent his angels to protect his faithful children. When the king called out to them to come out, they were unharmed. Their hair was not burned. Have you ever burned yourself and your hair gets all stinky and curly? Nothing like that. Their clothes even did not smell like smoke. God had remained faithful to those who have put their hope in him. They had another friend. Perhaps you heard the story of Daniel. He had a different set of faith adventures of his own, if you might, if you think. Uh, they were involving lions. Yet God was with Daniel as well. God protected them all. Uh, God then made these men prosper by elevating them into places of honor and leadership, even in this foreign land that they were in. 
He supplied not only for their safety, but also for their well-being. What is it that you need today? What sort of fire are you in the midst of? Are your needs genuine or are they selfish? I tell you, if they're selfish, then keep moving, my friend. The answers you seek for are not here. After all, God requires humility. And humility plus selfishness, they don't mix well. But perhaps you lost it all. Maybe God has seen it fit to send you down a path that you never imagined. Possibly all of the burdens of life have caused you to abandon your faith and lose hope in God. Well, friends, I am here to tell you that no matter how difficult things are, God is faithful. And as we remain faithful to Him, He will surely provide for our needs on this earth and in the time to still come in the future. For you see, God longs to be merciful to his children, which brings us to our final promise we want to look at together today. In the book of Isaiah, again, uh, the prophet speaking to those who have been taken into captivity reminds them of God's promise. And in Isaiah 30, 18, we read, Nonetheless, the Lord is waiting to be merciful to you and will rise up to show you compassion. The Lord is a God of compassion. Happy are those who wait on him. This is by far one of my favorite, if not my favorite Bible verse, because it reminds me that there is nothing I have to do that God will want to forgive me. Not only did Jesus die for my sins 2,000 years ago, before I was even born, but as God knew me, as he knew us, as we were being formed in our mother's wounds, he waited to be merciful to us. Those that would know our story would know that we have been waiting for some time to see if God's plan aligns with the desires of our hearts. That'd be a, a return to a, even a, a more active uh, uh, officership or a more active uh, ministry, if you will. These decisions are outside of our hands, but all we can do is hope and wait and trust ultimately that God's will is always going to be done, despite the decisions of men. How do I know this? Because I've experienced the faithfulness of God. All at this particular point, you see in the history of God's people, the prophet Isaiah is now turning from the consequence of the rebellion into the consequences of God's love. I have experienced both the consequences of my rebellion and the consequences of my love. That's why God's love. That's why I can tell you that he is faithful. You see, God's restorative nature, uh, you know, we learn about this in the New Testament, right? We learn that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and never fails. 1 Corinthians 13. In fact, we know that God so loved the world that from the beginning of creation, in fact, in the beginning, His plan of restoration for the human race was set into motion. Remember, He longs to be merciful to us. God's love is understood in his grace, and his grace is his favor towards humanity. And so Isaiah is telling the people that what God longs to do will be a present as well as a future ongoing act of love. Just like we, of course, uh, may uh, do not deserve God's grace, God still grants it. We do not deserve to be restored, and yet he still promises to do so if we come to him. It makes me think about those TV shows where they take a beaten down car, all rusty, and the engine doesn't work, the paint is faded, the material is torn, and yet because of someone's desire to restore that vehicle at the end, you see the masterpiece, the reveal of a beautiful automobile. 
You and I, friends, are in that similar condition. Perhaps we're wandering in the wilderness, hiding in barns of our own hopelessness, and God comes looking for us. He finds us because he longs to show us his favor. And as he restores us, we begin to look like what he originally intended for us to be. A faithful and holy people set apart from an evil and selfish world, and all it requires our willingness and our obedience. Yet this is not distinctive to God. We must, after all, obey laws and rules and compliances and regulations in our daily living, right? Such obedience results in rewards or safety operations, recognitions at work, celebrations of good practices. The main difference is that when we remain obedient to God, He activates His eternal promises in our lives. The Bible predicts a great battle at the end of time, just before the return of our Redeemer. And occurring to current events, perhaps we are closer to that day than we may want to admit. Yet through this final battle, we know that God has promised to defeat all of His enemies, all of our enemies. And nothing will stand between our faithfulness to Him and our service to others as He does. But we don't have to wait till that faithful day. We can take a hold of God's promises each and every day and make our choice, take our stand and live and proclaim as Joshua did, that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This, of course, simply means that as I repent, as I turn my life away from sin and act justly, love mercy and walk humbly, that then I may expect with full assurance that God will show me his mercy, that he will forgive me, that he will patiently walk by me, guiding me and teaching me and helping me to live my life exactly how he expects me to. But we do need to partner with him. We need to come to him and ask for his mercy, seek his forgiveness, and then live our lives differently than the sinful world around us. Think about it. Because of our depravity, God is eager to rescue us. But you may say, why not act now? Why wait Why until we turn from our sin? Why won't he just save us before we suffer even more? Friends, because God gives us all a choice. The choice to sin or the choice to remain obedient to him. That's what we often forget. We blame God for the depravity of this world, and we forget that when he created it, it was paradise. It was humankind, yes, men and women, who damaged it, destroyed it, and denied his beauty. Yet even in the days of Adam and Eve, God has longed. He has forced himself to hold back his wrath and instead act out his grace, all as he waits for us to Ask Him, to seek Him, to receive what He has to offer, what He has in store for us. Yet again, it depends on us. Until through faith, we are ready to enter into His holiness, enter into His perfect will. Until our morals align back to His purposes, until we stop living in disobedience and instead live in hope, then He will jump back into action on our behalf. God will do a wonderful thing. And that thing is that he will save us. He will do a glorious work of grace in each of our lives. So let us put our hope in him and have faith in his promises, knowing that he will do what he said he would do. What a wonderful set of promises we've looked at today. The Lord is waiting to be merciful to us. The Lord will supply all of our needs. The Lord will be with us wherever we go, as long as we remain faithful to him. 
I don't know about you, but I don't know of any other faith or frame, ideology or, or perspective that can carry these amazing promises and not only make these promises, but also stand by them, right? Even better, we know that they are not empty promises because when God says he will do these things for us, we can see that countless others' examples throughout the scriptures, the others' examples that we have seen, people that have already lived before us who he has done these great things in their lives through the heroes of our faith, and in the people around us who dare to trust in God. God does wonderful things in them and through them to bless them and others, and He wants to do the same thing in each of us. Can you believe that? Then pray with me today. Father, we thank You that we can find rest in You. When we grow tired, You grant us strength. When we are in need, You supply it from all your riches. When we are alone, you walk with us. You keep your promises, not just to us, but to creation. Each and every one of your words is truth. They are the truth and we can rely on them. Help us to live by your promises each day, especially when things don't seem to go as we expected. Grant us clarity of thought and anticipation of your grace so that we may move in faith in our service of others and you. A service that will be reflective in our obedience to your word and our faith in action for those whom you direct us to bless. Bless us indeed, Lord. Be with us and help us to never neglect your love, your grace, and your mercy. May your promises inspire us to do what is right, to keep your commandments, and live for the service of others, our faithful Father. May your promises guide us to something righteous to believe in, not merely the words of others, but the truth that is your truth alone. So answer our prayers today as we pray your promises and as we seek to live in your will. May it be so, Lord for your honor, and for your glory. For we pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer. Amen. We're so grateful to have had you join us in our service today, and we pray that you will be motivated to put your faith in God into action. So would you please visit our 217faith.church or see us on YouTube or Facebook, on Twitter, wherever it is that you're watching us, and please help us to spread the word by liking and sharing and clicking and the notifications and all those wonderful things that you know you got to do. God's calling humbles us in our lives to preach his message of hope, of love, of invitation. And so please join us and together we can reach more who surely need to hear a welcoming word of grace from God today. And so until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his face to you and grant you peace. So until next time. Goal in the full assurance that God loves you so much that he does not make empty promises. What he says he will do, he will do it because he's always faithful. So read his word and discover all of his promises for you as you begin to live your life for him today. May God bless you.